suffer your sin anymore. Isn't that awesome? Isn't sin just tormenting <laughs> when it keeps bringing it back to your remembrance? But thank God Jesus sent his forgiveness. God sent his forgiveness through Jesus Christ. You know, in Mark chapter 16, it, I mentioned this Saturday night that um, the Great Commission was what? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. Is that what it says? That means dogs. That means animals. I just know how Rachel's dog responded when we prayed for the dog. You remember? It was about to die. And my hands got hot, and the Lord said, lay your hands on that dog right now. And it just got resurrected. <laughs> the dog got resurrected. So God cares about the animals. Amen. So go into all the world and preach the gospel, and those who believe shall be what? Saved. So if we died today and went to heaven and met Jesus, he would say, how many people do you get saved? Not how many people you got healed. Not how many miracles you did. But how many people did you get saved? Since that is the only commission. Amen. That's the commission. And believe me, you guys are ready to get some people saved. Amen. Because the world needs the true church to come on the scene of their disappointment. Someone that's lost has got constant disappointment. It's a life of disappointment. Isn't it? Just one thing after the other. Just when you think you got it right, disappointment shows up at my door again. And that's what brought me to a suicidal state because I just couldn't get it right. Didn't know how to get it right. And the church couldn't tell you how to get it right. Amen? At least the ones I went to. But I'm going to teach tonight on... on uh, Leading somebody to Jesus Christ. I, went, I taught this a little bit Saturday night, but this is a different teaching from Saturday night. So you need to get the teaching from Saturday night because that was for the younger group. That was for the younger 20-year-old, 16-year-old group because that's the way, how they're going to relate to that. So you need to get a copy of that from Charlena and keep it with you. Everybody ought to have a few Bibles extra in your car. They ought to have that teaching from last uh, Saturday night and this teaching. For the more adult teaching. The old people, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say adult. <laughs> You're not supposed to be old in the kingdom, right? Amen. So eternal salvation. Everybody got a copy of this? Everybody's got a copy. Just follow me with it. Many concepts, religions, and traditions guide humanity. But regardless of these, there is still an emptiness in every human being. We try to fill this emptiness with what seems to be appropriate for the moment. Alcohol, drugs, fame, money, religion, sex, work, etc. And I look at this list. You can look at this list yourself. What, what I tried to fill that, I call it a holy vortex, was with alcohol, drugs. I was a drug dealer. I was alcoholic. Money was my God. But I can never hold on to that God. Because it would steal from me constantly. So that would serve it again. That's what Satan wants you to do. He wants you to serve him. But then he takes it away from you. That may, and causes disappointment. 
sex, work. I was a workaholic. I, I mean, I was these things. I can't say I was in religion. I wouldn't consider. I, I didn't care about fame, but I was in all the other ones. And Jesus wiped out my sin through one prayer, one simple prayer, got me into the kingdom. And we prayed that prayer Saturday night. We're going to pray it again tonight. One prayer got me into this awesome kingdom where there's no disappointment. There's only appointments to blessing. There's no disappointments in the kingdom of God. You came, you came from that kingdom of disappointment was Satan's kingdom. There's only appointments for to die and to be blessed in the kingdom of God. So God is the only one who can make you feel whole. Amen. You will never feel whole without God. In the end, we will find it impossible to fill the emptiness in our heart. And that's where I was, came to a suicidal state. And you all know Paul Hodge, if he hadn't picked up the phone and called me, I wouldn't be teaching tonight. I'd be in hell. If you want to know what hell is, it was taught last Saturday night. Scripturally based what hell is like. Ecclesiastes 3.11. See, see, the church is, the Lord just has me starting to, on teaching about hell right now. Because now we can handle it, can't we? We know that we're not going there, right? But the ones that think they're going there, you can't hardly teach it to them because they'll run out the door. You got to get them loved into the kingdom. You got to get them set free. Or they're not going to hear you. They'll run from you. But God is serious about this now. He said most of his church is going to hell. That's a scary thought. We're sitting here listening to a message, worshiping God. And the next thing I know, when I die, I'm gone. Down instead of up. And I gave you the scripture to back that up last Saturday night. It says to those who don't obey the gospel. Remember that? You, a sinner's not going to be obey the gospel because he don't know the gospel. He said those who don't obey the gospel will go to eternal fire. So we got to keep this in mind. I, my spirit's saved, but my soul's not. I got my spirit saved so I can, I can go to heaven. But if I practice these things that I shouldn't be practicing and not obeying the gospel, then when I die, while I'm doing that, I'm going down until judgment day. And when everybody shows up at the great white throne of God, when all the books are open, then your life is read right there in front of you. Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything, now this is very important, beautiful and appropriate in its time. God has a time for everything. You can preach to somebody about salvation. I mean, Paul preached to me for three years. Now, if Paul can't get to me, nobody can. Right? Because he won't let up. But it wasn't the appointed time. It's timing with God. It's timing with God. So, so when people don't get saved after they heard the prayer, the devil gets a hold of that and says, you're not worthy of that. You're not good enough to come to God. But he's a liar. Amen? He can't tell the truth. He has also planted eternity, a sense of divine purpose. You need to underline that one right there. 
a sense of divine purpose is what he has planted in the core of my being. In the human heart, a mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy it. Look at that. There's nothing created under the sun that can satisfy that holy vortex in the center of your being. And man, we keep trying it. Even after we're saved, we keep trying it, trying to get more of it. But we got to understand that God is the only one that can satisfy the spirit and the soul of man. Yet man cannot find out, comprehend, or grasp what God has done, his overall plan from the beginning to the end. Why is that? Because God wants us to continue to live by faith. If we understood the plan of God, we wouldn't live by faith. Right? He says a man plans his heart, but what? God directs his steps. So we can do all the planning. He expects us to plan, but he's going to direct the steps. And he's directing it into a divine purpose. So God set eternity in the heart of man. That means divine purpose is in your heart. This place can only be filled with the eternal life of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is eternal life. And that's what we call the first baptism. When you're baptized into Jesus. The second baptism is water baptism. The third baptism is the Holy Spirit baptism. So there's three baptisms. But the first one, you're baptized into Jesus. It cannot be filled with worldly things or material things. This man on your sheet here, on that front sheet, he's dictated by fears, worry, and sex. Fears, worry, and sex is what he's dictated by. And that's what we keep putting in that vortex. We got to have that human touch. We have to have that love. We have to, we're created to be touched. We're created to be loved. But without God, it's destructive. He's got to be in it. Let's go to the second page. How can I go to heaven? How can I feel the emptiness? Number one, salvation is free. Romans 6, 23. The wages in other words, the payment. You're getting paid for your sin. We get paid for our sin. The enemy pays us for our sin. How does he pay us? He pays us with death, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a deceptive wage because he's given me something I like first. And then when I get finished entertaining it, it dies. Whether it's a relationship, whether it's whatever it is, if it's dying off, you know that God wasn't in it. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ, Jesus our Lord. Many people try to gain access into heaven through their good works. It's the work of Christ that gives us access into heaven. His work, His grace did it all. Ephesians 2.8 for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift from God. That's enough to meditate on right there. Remember I said sometimes we just have to turn back to our first love. 
when you think about your your first love and that that moment of salvation, doesn't joy start? You can tell when somebody really got born again because they all of a sudden light up. They're depressed, and all of a sudden they tell me about your salvation. Then they they light up. So you know that joy is in them to overcome their depression. Amen. We got to stir it up. We got to keep it stirred up. The moment Adam sinned, I mean, let's see, I'm where am I at now? Uh, number two, all men are sinners. The moment Adam sinned, every person that came after him entered. Now you got to think about this. When you're we're going through this, you're preparing yourself to teach someone. Because how in the world can you give your life to somebody if you don't understand who you're giving your life to? Most people think they're giving their life to religion and they don't want no part of it. In fact, Joshua called me today. You know, we've been praying he'll call me. He's been avoiding me. He called me today on the way to work and, and he said, how you doing? I said, I'm doing great. I said, what's up? He said, my roommate just kicked me out of the house. So now he's got another disappointment. He's on the street. Look how God is just running him down and the devil's running faster because Joshua is choosing the devil. So now he doesn't have a home. I said, Joshua, aren't you ready? And he didn't say anything. And the Lord said to tell him that he doesn't have to give up the life that he's living right now. Well, that'll get a young kid to wake up, right? And listen. He said, tell him he doesn't have to give up that life now because he doesn't have the power to give up that life. Man, the Lord got his attention. Because that's what he doesn't want to let go of. He doesn't know anything else. And man, heads up. Everybody was listening then. And I said, just give your heart to Jesus. And he will begin to change the desires that you have. And as people move out of your life, people are coming into your life. It's a beautiful uh, exchange constantly that God does. And even after that, but he called Zinni after that. And Zinni talked to him for 20 minutes. I said, listen, you can come live with us. You can go back in the room with Matthew because they got two single beds in there. He said, no, Toby's too far. I said, I can't even afford to get, pay the gas to the job site right now wherever he works. I said, well, do you have transportation? He said, no. So now he doesn't have any transportation. He's out of a home. He's got probably $30,000 in medical bills. So they helicoptered him in Memorial. So that's 10 grand right there or more. So he's got all this disappointment. And the Lord told me, he said, he'll come when no one else is there for him. Then I'll call on God. Isn't that amazing how we do that? Paul preached to me all those years until no one else was there for me. I was in that big old house all by myself, laying on the floor. Had nobody to call on. 
And that's when he got. So Joshua's coming, and my God, when he comes, Jesus, it's going to be awesome for kingdom life. All right? Awesome for God, his ministry. For all sin and fall short of the glory of God. So we fall short of Jesus every time we sin. We sin still today. And just think about that. When we sin, what's causing me to sin? I don't want to sin, but what's causing me to sin? The, the enemy is still around you. You inherited him when you got born again. He was not your enemy before you were born again. He was your God. Right? What the Bible says. But when you accepted Jesus, Satan became your enemy. So he, 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 he checks you out every now and then. He checks on you, see what you're doing. He checks on you, see if you're in a weak moment. So he can pounce on it. But when we sin, think about this. We just fell short of Jesus Christ. He was right there. He was right there. And if I hadn't sinned at that moment, then Jesus would have took hold of the moment and sanctified that moment and took charge of that moment. Isn't that beautiful? So think about this. When we're tempted to sin, that we're about to fall short of the glory of God, which is Jesus Christ. He is the glory of God. He's not the glory. He's the glory of God. God is the glory. The moment Adam sinned, every person that comes after him is born into sin. We are born into this devil's kingdom. We are born into disappointment. I looked at the little baby laying on mother's uh, shoulder right there. And I said, look at this innocent child born into sin. But if you look at it from another perspective, he was born into sin to get born again to bring the kingdom of heaven on the earth. God wants his earth fully back. He wants it all restored back to him. Missing the mark. Sin is whatever is not of faith. Every time we fear or get anxious, we've just sinned against God. I was telling somebody about that the other day. I don't care if you you commit adultery or fornication. If you feared, God puts just as much weight on that sin as somebody that committed adultery or fornication or even murdered somebody. God puts no weight on sin. Amen. Whatever's not of faith is sin. So think about next time when the enemy prompts you to fear. He's trying to get you to sin against God. Knowing the right thing and not doing it is sin. That means compromising. Compromising the power of God to en enable me to sin. I don't have the power to sin anymore. You don't have the power to sin anymore. But when we compromise the power within, it empowers us to sin. 
Think about that. That's a scary feeling. We use the power and prostitute it for our own gain. That's what we do as Christians. Missing the mark. And so not sharing the prize of being whole spirit, soul, body, and finance. There's rewards to salvation. There was a reward to your born again experience. You got God back. That's enough for me right there. There's rewards to your soul being saved. Renewed mind is a saved soul. That's the abundant life of Christ. We accepted Christ. We got eternal salvation. We got God. But we haven't had the, we don't have the, I don't see the church having the abundant life of Jesus Christ. When the mind is renewed, God can produce his abundance in Christ and get it to you. That's why this ministry is so important because we have a lot of revelation to, to get the mind renewed. So the blessings of God begin to flow and flow and flow. So missing the mark is not sharing in the prize. Let's look at the next page. The three men. God with man. Adam before he sinned. He was full of glory. Satan with man. The second one. Adam after he sinned. The third one. God reconciling man back to him through Jesus Christ. So we go back to the first man. He's filled with God. He's blessed. He has peace and love. He, he has joy and prosperity. And let's go back to the fallen man. He's disconnected from God. Eternally separated from God. Does good works to try to earn his way into heaven. Dictated by fear. That's the life of one who doesn't have Jesus Christ. So the third man, the second Adam, which is Jesus, who gave life back to man through the Spirit, reconnected back to God through Jesus Christ. Now he's one with God, does the works through faith, his faith in God. And I love this. Now he's shaped by love. Shaped by love. Isn't it amazing how love changes you? When you feel somebody's love, you just melt. And in that melting, there's a molding taking place. There's a shaping taking place. And that is to be more like God. That's what's taking place in that moment. When Mary, remember when Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit? It says, and Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit and brought forth a son. That would save the sins of the people. When you got born again. That same conception happened. Now you just brought forth a son. And he's in you. He's that little man right there on the end. Second man. You brought forth a new creation. To save the people's sins. So now it goes back to Mark 16, chapter 16, the Great Commission. You're sent to save the people's sins. Amen? 
I want, I want our Kingdom Life people to have a new mindset going into the next year. It's time to get people saved. Because now you don't have agreement with the devil. It's hard to get somebody saved when you've got agreement with the devil. In fear, or anger, or perversion, anything up in here, we're trying to get somebody saved, the devil's just laughing at us. We have that conception for a divine purpose. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his... I've been blessed by, by studying and reading this because you can get so caught up in new revelation and revelations and revelations and worshiping God. And, but I've gotten more blessed by going back and studying this and returning to my first love and feeling those feelings of joy again. That excitement that happened that day. For God, who loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish and have everlasting life. Look how simple God made it. Just believe. And you can have my life. Isn't that amazing? But how can you believe something? If you don't understand it. How can you trust it? If you don't understand. That's what this teaching is going to be really good for you guys. To, to minister to someone else. And you just can't go up to people and say. Hey you know where you go when you go to when you die. They say no. And you start praying for them. That doesn't always work. I, like I did Larry my son-in-law. I said. We'll sit right here in this ministry and let me teach you a little while. Well, 15 or 20 minutes through the teaching, the Holy Spirit did the work. He was ready to come to Jesus. Build the understanding. Once you get this understanding, God will open the door for someone to come to you. God doesn't expect you to do this. He expects you to be in a position for him to do it. The Holy Spirit only works through knowledge. The Holy Spirit only works through understanding. So I said, and all you're getting, get understanding, because I can't use you till you understand the God that saved you. And you have knowledge of him. Let's go to the next page. Who is Jesus? Don't you know there's a lot of Jesuses out there? He asked me sometimes, who do I serve? Which Jesus do I serve? I said, Jesus of Nazareth. Well, that just shuts him right down right there. Because he's the real deal. John 1, 1 through 14. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. That's what you got to get a handle on. Even God made the enemy. He made the principalities. He made every, every terrestrial, celestial being. Then they're out there. The Bible says he made terrestrials and celestial beings. For what reason? I don't know. Maybe we'll meet them one day. You know? To get them saved. 
There's the prophet speaking. Get him saved. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. See, when you get around certain people, they're not going to be able to comprehend you. They won't be able to figure you out because the darkness can't comprehend the light. You're in a totally different kingdom. John's witness, the true light. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light. That, you know, a witness is really is a testimony. That's why it's so important to give your testimony because you're giving a witness to the people. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own. Can you imagine if you came to your children and they rejected you? He came to his own. His own son did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. That, that should be enough right there to keep us so humble and to not get puffed up. The God of the universe stepped down and met me and met you. Now you figure the biggest CEO of some company or the President of the United States coming in here to meet with you, how would you feel? You would feel humbled. What about the one that created the the CEO and the president comes to meet you. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. This is a this is a holy conception. A virgin. I love this when the Lord said, This is a virgin vortex. For a holy inception. By the Holy Spirit. To bring forth to form a baby on the inside without anybody touching. Same thing that happened to Mary with Jesus. Now I've got this little baby on the inside of me. Isn't that amazing? You ever hear it cry? I hear it grieve sometimes. It grieves. I grieve it sometimes. Not knowing that I'm grieving we're still learning him. And the word became flesh and walked among us. And be, we beheld his glory and the glory of the only begotten father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. Can you imagine that? He was all man, but yet he was all God. We can't wrap our minds around it. 
we're all man, but we got a little bit of God. That Jesus was 100% God and man because he could move between divinity and humanity. He can move between divinity and humanity to bring forth one new man in Christ. The Jew and the Gentile. What an awesome Jesus we serve. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator. How many of you have been to a mediation before? Where you have the attorney there and the mediator there. Between God and man. Jesus is that mediator between us and God. And what he's doing. He's occupying a middle position. Here's God. Here's me. Here's Jesus. He's mediating to God for me. So he's telling God. That you're flawless. There's nothing wrong. Amen? Because God is looking to Jesus, and all he can see is you, covered under the blood, whole. But Jesus is looking at you, and he's, he's remembering what he went through because of us. So he sympathizes with our weakness. Isn't that amazing? He's mediating with the Father. Grace to exhibit to us. Jesus is the only mediator between God and man. Jesus knows the heart of the Father. Jesus is the only one that can reconcile God to man. Worldly religions honor man as if he is God. Isn't that, isn't that what we see? And what, what the religion is doing is forfeiting the power of grace. They forfeit the power of grace. That's why religion can't get anybody saved. Religion just gets them connected through work so they can control them. Forfeiting the power of grace. Colossians 1.20 And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in the earth or things in the heaven. In other words, until we have, we and everything we have is reconciled back to God through Jesus Christ, we have no fellowship with the Father. We're still fellowshipping with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is reconciling everything that we have back to God. So we have fellowship with him. Because his voice is different than the voice of Jesus. His voice is different from the voice of the Holy Spirit. You think about that. If I'm a father... And I send my son to go talk to you. You're going to hear his voice, not mine. Right? When you hear the father's voice, you can't handle it. 
I can't handle it. The love is behind it is so great. Behind that voice, it just melts you. You can't take it. I weep and weep and weep and weep and feel the love. And he's loving on my spirit. You ever get in that weepy, 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 not out of pain, but weepy, just refreshing, weepy. That is the Father loving on you. Where am I at now? Jesus is the way. John 14, 6. Jesus said unto men, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. What did Jesus do for us? He's the only way to God. He died for our sin. He paid for our rebellion. He paid for our sickness. He paid for our iniquity. He paid for our transgression. He paid for even our disobedience to God and that was birthed from Adam. All these things were birthed from Adam. Now, through the sacrifice of Jesus, we received grace. That means every spiritual blessing he has in store for us along with salvation. We are saved and receive salvation. So saved means rescued. That doesn't mean you're whole yet. Jesus just rescued out of the kingdom of the enemy and conveyed you into the kingdom of the Son of God. Salvation means health, wealth, and wholeness. So that's not how you know you got it. You're not sick anymore. You're wealthy. You're whole. You're not in need or want. You're just flowing in his love to be a blessing to others. Isn't that beautiful? So how do we receive the gift of salvation? Faith comes by hearing the word. So the Bible says, how can they hear without a preacher? Too many preachers are beating them up before they get to them with their message. This message has to be a message of love. People are designed to respond to love. God made them to respond to love. Made them to respond to truth. And that's how you get people saved is responding to truth and love. Faith is believing from our heart that Jesus is Lord and Savior and that he reconciles us back to God so we can fulfill our divine purpose. Now, believing with your heart, where do you believe from? You believe from your cardia, not the Duma. I can't believe from here because there's nothing in here yet. Right? It's a vortex. It's empty. There's nothing there for me to believe. It doesn't have the capability. Your spirit has function. So when you reason with God through the intellect, that right there is where we believe, is in the soul. When we believe with our soul and we choose Jesus, then the Holy Spirit gets in the vortex and causes a, an inception. Boom, a little baby's born on the inside. It's not enough to simply have a mental understanding of God's existence. Having a mental understanding of God's existence will never get you saved. Everybody knows that God exists, except for some heathen, what do they call them? 
ones that don't believe God at all. Atheists. And the first time something goes wrong, they're calling on somebody that knows God. Isn't that right? The ones that I've, I've met, that's what they do. Hey, I believe him now. I can't do nothing about this situation. <laughs> so we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that he is Lord, then begin to living, then begin living according to God's guidelines. So what do we have to do to receive salvation? We must believe that Jesus is the only mediator between God and man. Through Jesus, he guarantees that I will go to heaven. He's going to guarantee that I'm going to get to heaven. We must confess him with our mouth and receive him in our heart. What would be beautiful to do is take all this information and condense it into little bullet points that you can remember just on a little, little card and just keep it with you all the time. Step by step. What steps do we have to take to receive salvation, the gift of salvation? Repent from our sin. That means think and act differently. Think and act differently. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He who covers his sins will not prosper. Think about that. Prosper means empowered to succeed. So when we get empowered to succeed, and we think it's from God, and it doesn't come out successful, then you know who empowered you is the enemy because he sees the sin in us that we try to cover up our sin. We try to hide it from people. And he's saying you can't prosper in the kingdom and hide sin. That's why confession is so important. Confession is so important. Find somebody you can trust. And just confess them. Confess everything. And then boom, God steps in, removes everything, puts forgiveness in you, puts a joy in you, puts a light in you, puts a happiness in you. And you say, why in the world didn't somebody tell me to do this last year? I've been going through hell for the whole year. Confess our sins. John, 1 John 1, 8 and 9 says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. So we all have sin. A Christian is not supposed to practice sin. He falls short of the glory of God be out of weakness and out of lack of knowledge of God and his word. So he falls short and he sins. But the difference is he feels bad about it. You feel awful about it. And that's how you know the Holy Spirit's inside of you. So it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse. As soon as I sin, if I entertain a thought of fear, I know that fear because I was possessed by that fear. Immediately, I say, Lord, I'm confessing right now. I just hooked up with that fear. I'm confessing it. According to your word, you're faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me of that fear right now. And he does it every time. That thing just goes. Number three, confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, you shall, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. 
Man, is that simple. But timing is everything. Timing is everything. We ought to have our radars out every day for God listening because all it takes is one word from someone else for you to get in position. Say, God, here I am. Just use me now. Just use me now. And you'd be surprised what he'll say through you. That's the prayer of salvation. We're going to do that right at the end. Let's go to the next page. What happens when you receive Jesus in your heart? There's five signs. These five signs validate that you got Jesus in your heart. You got the Holy Spirit. The new birth, spiritually born again. John 3, 3 through 7 says, Jesus answered and said to him, Very, very, I say to you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very, very, I say to thee, Except a man be born of water. What does that mean? Nope. Except a man be born of water and the spirit, he shall not enter the kingdom of God. So he's got to be born out of natural birth when the water breaks. Then born of the spirit. That's what water means. He's got to be born naturally first and then born of the spirit. That and and it says he cannot enter the kingdom of Jesus. Which is the kingdom of God. When he says the kingdom of God, he's talking about the kingdom of Jesus. The kingdom of salvation. The kingdom of love. Kingdom of power. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. So you have to be born of the flesh first, then you can be born of the spirit. You've got to be born from your mother's flesh and then be born of the spirit. Marvel not that I said to thee, you must be born again. He's talking about a virgin birth. You've got to be born from a virgin birth now. The inception of the Holy Spirit impregnating you with Jesus. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27 says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. What is that water? When the Bible talks about water, the Holy Spirit, then I will sprinkle the Holy Spirit on you. And you shall be clean. I love the word clean. My nickname's Clean Gene. I've had that name since I was 20 years old. The people I would work for said, how can you get out there and, and do all this carpentry work and never get dirty? I said, I don't know. My hands wouldn't get dirty. No sawdust on me would just fall off of me, you know. So they named me Clean Gene because I never got dirty. <laughs> I'd come home the same way I left. And that, that's crazy. <laughs> Clean gene. Oh, Jesus. So that's why I love the word clean. 
I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. So the Holy Spirit cleanses us from the residue of the filthiness of the fall and our idols. It is the Spirit, that water, is what cleanses those idols away, cleanses that residue away. And then what happens is the Word of God heals and restores. Lee and I were talking in, in the uh, before um, we ministered, and she asked me a question about, you know, God restores us back to Him. I said, yes. But then something is after that. And it's called restitution. So what does that mean? Restitution means that God's bringing everything back that you lost. But He can't do it until you're restored back to him. That means your soul, your spirit has to be first. But we lose things because our soul is not restored back to him through a renewed mind. So we lose things as a Christian and wonder why. And people quote that scripture to me all the time. Was it in Job, uh, God giveth and God taketh away? I said, listen, I'm not in the Old Testament. I'm in the New Testament. I'm in a different kingdom. God does not take away because I've been bad. No. He'll prune us so we can bear more fruit. He just cuts us back a little, but he never cuts us back to where we're in lack. He's always cutting back the excess so that he can bring more for us. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. What does that mean? Before we had a hard heart, we were angry, full of pride. But when God comes in and takes that heart out, puts his heart in of flesh, what he means is, now you have a heart that's pliable, workable, soft, humble, that he can start molding and shaping. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. That means I'll cause you to walk in my word and you will keep my judgments and do them. So after born again experience, you can be sure that God's going to cause his word to come into you. Cause means circumstance. Through a circumstance, that word is going to come into you. Amen. He'll cause it. When does the word come in us? In the trial, yeah. The implanted word is coming to what? Save the soul. Rescue the soul. From the enemy's temptation. From the enemy's death. From the enemy's perversion. The word comes in. And the trial hits. It's amazing. We don't yield to the word. We yield to what we know. And the word doesn't get, have a chance to come in. So we have to repeat the fullness all over again. God just keeps bringing it back, back through his love. Now remember, we are, we, we, we are teaching new converts now. We're teaching new converts in this section right here. The regenerated spirit is full of light, generating light constantly. 
man's spirit now has three functions. The intuition is for the word to come in. The voice of God with the word comes in the intuition. The communion is having fellowship with the one who spoke. That's what communion means, fellowship with the one who spoke. And conscience is the judgment seat. God's put you in a seat of judgment to discern right from wrong. And when to move on this and when to move on that. Jesus said you must be born again through water and spirit. So if you are born from water, only you, only you are in religious works, not divine works. Put beside that, not divine works. If I'm only born out of water, my mother's water, then I'm in religious works. So you became religious as soon as you got born into this world. Because you're either religious or in relationship. There's no in-between. So people will say, well, you're religious. And you'll say, no, I'm not. You'll say, yes, you are. You were born into religion. You're born into it. Church membership, giving charitable donations. If you are a priest or a pastor, it doesn't change the fact that you must be born again through water and spirit. There's a lot of pastors that aren't born again. In fact, when you go to seminary school, these theological schools, they don't even ask you if you're born again. That's a scary thought. They just start teaching you about religion, the divinity of Jesus Christ, the history of Jesus. They never ask you about your rebirth. You got people getting certificates preaching behind the pulpit that aren't God. Some of them are born again when they go into seminaries, but I'm just saying the instructors never ask if, you're, if you were born again before you graduate. That's a scary thought. So it's important to teach them that the spirit and the soul are separated. Before you got saved, your spirit and soul merged together as one. It was one. Because when your spirit got disconnected from God, it plunged into the soul of man. Now you're a soulish person, not a spiritual person. So Hebrews talks about the word of God is alive and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of what? So if it can be divided, it tells you it was one. So that tells you that we don't have any power if my spirit is one with my unsanctified soul. So the word of God comes in. That's why you need preachers, because you're hearing the word. And when you finally hear the word, faith comes to help you believe that word. Because without his faith, you'll never believe him. Because our faith won't believe in Jesus. But it's his faith that comes. He, isn't it amazing? He does everything for us. He absolutely does everything for us. He makes everything so easy for us. We make it so hard. 
So it's important to, when you're ministering, to let people know that their spirit and soul are one. And the ones that think it's one aren't born again. Because you'll know the separation when it happens. You actually know that my spirit's alive, but my head's still doing the same thing I used to do. Next page. Does this mean that I, at the moment I be, got born again, I became a perfect human being? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. God doesn't expect us to be perfect. He, he expects us to be what? You remember? Strong. He said to be strong in the Lord. Power of it. He doesn't expect us to be perfect. Even Jesus said there's only one perfect one. That's the Father. The Spirit's not perfect until Jesus connects it back to God. Right. Separates it. Yes. Right. The Spirit is what keeps you alive. See, when you, it's it's still alive, but it's just disconnected from God. So man has to have a God. See, that's the key. He has to have a God. So when his spirit was disconnected from the true in God, Satan hooked up with him. Because he's got to have a God over his spirit. Because these kingdoms, cannot manifest their kingdom except through the spirit. Whether it's dark or light. The kingdom of Satan manifested through a dark spirit. Our spirits are dark before we come to Christ. Does that make sense? These are all influences. Yep. This is demonic influence dictating this lost man right here. But see the one light right there? God's still chasing after us. He's still following us around. It's a point in time. Yes. Salvation and deliverance. Salvation means you're whole. Deliverance means you've been delivered from what was not making you whole. The deliverance, deliverance supersedes salvation. So he's got to deliver you first. So when he delivered your spirit from Satan, and put it in the kingdom of God. Same with the soul. He's got to deliver my soul. From Satan's influence. And then I can be made whole. So when people get delivered. Doesn't mean they're whole yet. That's the deception. When you get delivered. You have to be healed now. And what heals you? Not the spirit. The word. When you get delivered from something, you better get in that word right there and stay in it every night, every day until that word takes root and gets built up and takes the place of what the demonic influence had that's causing the problem of you not being whole. So deliverance is always first. He delivered me from the kingdom of Satan, conveyed me into the kingdom of his light, kingdom of his love, which is Jesus. And now I'm born again, all lit up with God, full of joy and on that honeymoon. And, and then all of a sudden, I got to start working out my salvation. <laughs> Nobody ever told me that. That I had to work it out. <laughs> so 
And that's when we need more deliverance. Because my head needs to be delivered from Satan's influence. It's been delivered from Satan's power. When my spirit got connected back to God. Because where your spirit is, there's power. Where there's darker light. They, don't, they have a lot of, lot of knowledge of the word. Because if you have a lot of revelatory word, your spirit's going to be at the same elevation as the word of God. Because they're equal. When you try to memorize the word without God revealing the word to you first, that's knowledge without revelation. Revelation means to make manifest. God is manifesting himself to you. That scripture jumps off the page. God is manifesting himself to you. When he draws you to the Bible and you see something that's absolute, absolutely defeating you, God is manifesting himself to you. And when you meditate on that, the spirit and the word are equal. They're working together and coming up to an elevation, to another stature of Christ that you can live in. If you're reading your Bible and the word jumps off the page, then God is revealing himself to you. No, he's revealing himself to you so that the spirit, not the demonic spirit, but the Holy Spirit and the revealed word can rise up in a resurrection together and take the place of the demonic. The word and the spirit has to take the place of the demonic influence. You can have all this word because Satan knows the word better than we do as far as knowledge. If he can quote it to the word, Jesus, he was quoting it to the word. But he was, his spirit was disconnected from God, so he had no power. He had no power over, 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 over Jesus. So that's good. Y'all ask questions because somebody may ask you the same question that you're ministering to. Let's let's do the mic because it's on live stream. People are listening. Something just came to my mind <clears throat> when you said a person could get delivered, but if they're not taught then by those pastors that they've got to feel put get that word in there. Yes. When it talks about seven more terrible comes back. Yeah, they're in, and that's why you see that they um, get worse. And see, and at that point, and what what Cornelius is saying is. If you don't get the word, when a, when a spirit leaves the soul and its occupation, ocu occupying of the soul, the house is swept clean. All right? Holy Spirit comes in and, and cleans it up. It's that water cleaning everything up. So it says the demonic spirit leaves searching for a dry place. Now, a dry place is a place where the Holy Spirit's not. Because the Holy Spirit is what? water so he comes back because he can't find a dry place anywhere around so he comes back to the temple the house that he was cast out of and sees the water but doesn't see it occupied so he comes in and occupies the house again and the guy's last state is worse than his former state so now he's worse off. It'd have been better if he hadn't heard the truth than to hear it and and fall away from it. 
people need to be taught. When you feel deliverance, you better get home that night and start opening up that word. It doesn't matter what you're reading in the word. Because the word, every scripture has life on it. What we're trying to do is get life into the soul. Right? We're trying to get life into the soul. Because the enemy is death. And Jesus conquered death through life. And his word is life. So it doesn't matter what you read. I read everything in the New Testament, starting the Gospels. If you don't need, know anything about where to go when you get delivered, just start reading the Gospels. It all has life on it. And just stay in it. And begin, Holy Spirit will begin to lead you as you're reading where to go. These are good questions. Why start in with the Gospels? Why not the Old Testament? Okay, the Old Testament is a shadow of the New Testament. All through the Old Testament, it was pointed to Jesus coming forth. So a lot of people, once they get born again, like to read the Old Testament because there's great stories in there of how God was for his people and and how he disciplined the people. But I don't spend a lot of time in the Old Testament. I spend a lot of time in Psalms and Proverbs unless the Holy Spirit leads me back to the Old Testament to get a message to tutor someone. The Old Testament is a tutor. That's what the Old Testament is. It's a tutor. So God may lead you back there to read about some of the stories about his miraculous works. But a Christian should spend most of their time in the New Testament. Because that's where the life is. That's where the resurrection is. In fact, if you look at my Bible, most of them, that's a new one. I gave my last one away somebody on my last vacation. Had all my notes in it. And... But if you look at my Bibles, the epistles are slap wore out. The gospel got me saved. But the epistles help me grow up. That's a good question. I, what is it? Huh? The letter. That's right, letters. Letters, letters from Paul. and um, These letters were written by the apostles to help the church grow up. To be able to grow up in Christ. So I just started going back to the Gospels. Uh, today, the Lord led me back to the Gospels, start reading the Gospels. And I got that revelation about Mary being conceived and bore the Son to save the people. And then God showed me that the Holy Spirit's doing that to us today, conceiving a virgin vortex and bringing forth a Son to save the people. I didn't cause it to be born. Amen. The Holy Spirit came. And that inception took place. Like it did with Mary. Not a revelation. So now he's got me back in the Gospels to build revelation. So let's look at this um, next page. Does this mean that I, that at that moment I became perfect human being? Okay. Only your spirit is perfected. Perfectly 
united back to God. That's what perfected means. It's perfectly reunited, united back to God. Your spirit is holy. But there will be areas you will have to work out of your soul and work in to the soul the knowledge of Jesus Christ until salvation is complete in the soul and the body. If our body is sick, my soul is sick. If I'm going through sickness of any kind, then sickness is in my soul. Because third John says, beloved, I pray that you'll prosper in all things just as your soul prospers and be in good health. So the soul has to prosper. The word of God has to bring forth the word of God for this body to line up and be whole and healthy. So when your mind is completely born again, you won't, you won't, you won't need any doctor. You won't need any uh, hospitalization insurance. You won't need these things because your mind completely renewed back to God. He's your insurance. You don't need a doctor if you're not sick. But once that mind gets renewed, there's no more sickness in the body. There's something going on here. That means death is still in the soul until life comes. And life is what? The Word. The Word. We work that life into the soul. And the soul gets completely whole. And delivers that same. See that's. Jesus said you had to work that salvation out. But he didn't have to say you had to work it out into your body. When the soul gets it done. It's going to do the work. The spirit's going to do the work. That's why I kid Carl and Chris. On their workout. Kingdom fit. And they come up and punch me you know. Say Whoa. You work out? I said, I spend five minutes every morning after worship. Because the scripture says bodily exercise profits little. But godliness is profitable in everything. So if I can spend two or three hours in worship, go out and work out for five minutes, I get the same results these guys get for four or five hours of workout. Why? Because everything is energized and lit up in your body from worship. You will prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers in the character of Christ. Your soul, your mind has to prosper in the character of Christ for the body to be whole. Strongholds in the soul. My spirit is connected back to God. My head is still connected to the world. Think about that. Give me, Carrie, come up here. Y'all come up, you and Carrie. Think about this. Just picture this in your mind. I love what the Lord did Saturday night. You know, it's such an imprint in our minds now. A picture in our minds what he did. So I'm, I'm connected back to God. And it's interesting. He's dark and he's white. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm connected back to God, the light of the world, right? But my, my head is still connected to the darkness. Right? right? Don't take that offense. Uh, no, no. no. <laughs> just like you. I told him to dye his hair like Mother Hines. <laughs> so we have some resemblance. Um, but this is what you see when you get born again. Your spirit and soul got divided. Before, 
Everybody was together. Right? My spirit and soul merged together. But when someone preached to me about salvation, the word came in, separated it, and now we look like this. I'm holding on to this kingdom, but I still have this kingdom going on in my head. Does that make it clear? The preaching brought you to a choice. Yeah. Yes. Because he said in the word, how can they hear without a preacher? You have to hear the gospel to be able to choose it. So what happens to this guy right here? I'm reading my word. I'm meditating on my word. And the whole time I'm doing that, my spirit is getting closer and closer and rising up in me with that word. And and instead of holding his whole hand, I'm going to hold maybe two fingers. So he has less of a grip on me once that word is in my head. And then once that word is what I said built up, implanted, rooted, and built up, then he has to let go. Because Go ahead, thank you. Because the word, when it's built up, becomes a shield around you. The word has to be planted, rooted, and, and grounded, it says. Grounded means built up. It gets planted in your trial. It's saving you from that influence. But now when you meditate on the word, it's getting rooted in your soul. It's getting grounded in your soul. Grounded means built up. So when the word gets built up, there's a shield around you that's invisible. It says in the word, the word of God is like a, is a shield to those who trust it. How can you trust the word if it's not in you? I can only believe this word. I can't trust it yet. Because it's not in me. I can only trust something that I'm one with. You can only trust your wife because you come in one with them, right? Did you trust them before, while you were dating? Probably not. Yeah, but you believed it with your wife, right? We believe the word. But it's hard to trust it. Until I become it. Believing. Keeps Jesus. Alive. Believing keeps Jesus alive. So look at those strongholds. I, I, I'm going to put some scriptures on that. And this is really going to help you tonight. Paul said in Romans 7, 14 through 25. Let, let's go through this minute and, and you're going to understand what a true apostle went through. And you'd think, well, why would he have to go through what we're going through? When he had a revelation of God. Listen to this. This is Romans 7, 14 through 25. Follow me with this. We know that the law is spiritual. The word is spiritual. But I am a creature of the flesh, carnal and unspiritual. So my soul is unspiritual. Having been sold into slavery under the control of sin. For I do not understand my own choice actions. I am baffled, bewildered. I do not practice or accomplish what I wish, but I do the very thing that I loathe, which my moral instinct condemns. So I do the very thing that I don't wish to do. 
because we already knew the outcome. Now, if I do habitually what is contrary to my desire, that means that I acknowledge and agree that the law is good, moral, excellent, and that I take sides with it. There's the key right there. You take sides with the word of God. Not your desires. Take sides with the word. However, it is no longer I who do the deed. Remember, the sin principle is working in us. But the sin principle, which is at home in me, look at that. That principle is at home in me. Now, that should be enough for you not to let the devil condemn you. Because the word says it's going to be at home in me for a while and has possession of me. Don't you hate it when that thing comes around and starts taking possession of you? And you just think you can't get it right? I've been there. I finally got the victory. But I've been there over and over again. For I know that nothing good dwells within me. This is me. When God says me or you in the Bible, he's talking about this man, the soul. Because he calls your spirit a son. A child of God. Because God is a spirit. So he birthed a spiritual son. Spiritual a child. For I know that, that nothing good dwells within me. That That is in my flesh. I can will what is right. But I cannot perform it. Look at that. <laughs> now this is the apostle Paul. Who delivered people to Satan. Who cast out devils. And here he is struggling. Wanting to do the right thing but not able to perform it. I have the intention and urge to do what is right, but no power to carry it out. For I fail to practice the good deeds I desire to do, but the evil deeds that I do not desire to do are what I am ever doing. Isn't that amazing? Here's, here's the man that wrote half the Bible. And God endorsed him. Now, if I do, did we move up? Now, if I do what I do not desire to do, it is no longer I doing it. Am I still reading the same thing? Okay. It is not of myself that acts, but the sin principle which dwells within me. Look at that. Fixed and operating in my soul. Not my spirit. My soul. Remember, if your spirit leaves your body, you're dead. The soul has nothing to do with that. But the spirit is alive and well, full of power, full of life. But Jesus said, you've got to work out this thing right here in his head now. You've got to work it out with him. So I find, find it to be a law, a rule of action of my being, that when I want to do what is right and good, evil is ever present with me. And I am subject to its insistent demands. How does evil demand us? Through temptation. Just demanding. Temptation. For I endorse and delight in the law, the word of God, and my inmost self with my new nature. That's what you do. 
You endorse and meditate on that word with your new nature. Yield your spirit to the Bible. The, an unsanctified soul will never open up that Bible. But when I yield to my spirit, it's going to take me to that Bible. And that's how you know the Holy Spirit's in operation. But if I discern in my bodily members, in the sensitive appetites and wills of the flesh, a different law, rule of action, at war against the law of my mind, reason, and making me a prisoner to the law of sin that dwells in my bodily organs, the sensitive appetites and wills of the flesh. Oh, how unhappy and pitiable and wretched man that I am. Who will release me and deliver me from the shackles of this body of death? Thank God he will. Jesus Christ, the anointed one, our Lord. So then indeed, I of myself, with my mind and heart, Serve the word of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So how do we how do we get rid of these things after after we get saved? The word. You've got to stay in the word every day. It doesn't have to be exhaustive. It can be ten minutes. Just open it up. So Paul was saying the sin principle is at home. In me. This is the sin principle in operation right here. And has possession fixed and operating in my soul. But then he goes on to say, when I, when I want to do what is right, evil is ever present. Rising up. To block what is right in me. Insisting it's demand. So Paul said, delight yourself in the word of God. In your inmost self. Romans 7.25. Can we put that on the screen? Instruction for the soul. Romans 7.25. Oh, there it is. That's the instruction for the soul. So your soul has four doors. These doors get closed during sanctification. That's why sanctification is so important. Because it shuts out the devil. By shutting out people. Right? The devil works through people. God works through people. So when you sanctify yourself, removing yourself from people, you're shutting out the devil. You're not shutting out God because you're 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 setting yourself apart for him right now for a season. And those doors begin to shut. And God starts working on that soul. And he does. Number two, what happens when you receive Jesus Christ in your heart? Number two, you are God's child. We are adopted as God's children at rebirth. We have a new family. This is our new family. How many would rather hang out with your old family? No, this is where I want to be every day. I want to be around you. My family doesn't understand that. This is my family. John 1, 12 through 13 says, but as many as received him to them gave the power to what? Become son. 
We are children. At re this baby got birth in this virgin vortex. And it's just a baby. But now he's given me a power to become a son of God. And we become a son when the word, who is the son, abides in here. When nothing, nothing but the word comes out of your mouth when something contrary to your life is going on. That's how you know you got it. Your whole thinking is different. 13, which were born not of blood, but of, not of the will of flesh, nor the will of God, but of God. You have all the rights and privileges and authority and power in Jesus Christ. If a Christian would just get a hold of that right now, right there, the rights and privileges you have in Christ. You wouldn't worry about a thing because you, you would call those things that are not as though they are. And it's just a, a mindset of believing that you can do it. And it happens. Now heirs with Christ, receiving every blessing, look at this, that was out of reach before you came to Christ. Every blessing that, that you fell short of before you came to Christ is now within reach. Number three, there's, an, there's a hunger now in you to know more about God. Isn't there a hunger in you just to know more about God? A hunger is given by the Holy Spirit to know more about God and His Word. You will attend church and tell everybody about your experiences. That's what we do with testimonies on Saturday night. You will have a thirst for the Bible. I remember when Kim got born again. Man, she started looking at that Bible, didn't you? You're drawn to that Bible. But that we've got to stay in it every day. That's the key to the victory. Every day. If we're not reading it, at least hear it while you're driving. That's why I have scriptures playing on my little iPad. I'm just listening to scriptures while I'm driving the whole time. God places a desire in your heart to know him intimately. These are signs of your conversion. Number four. You're a new creation. Therefore, the name one is in Christ. He is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, passed away. You might want to write this under there. Passed away. Old things have moved away from me. Old things have moved away from me. Haven't relationships moved away from you when you came to Christ? And all things have become new. So that means all things are new, not old. So you haven't experienced the new if it's familiar with the old. Does that make sense? Everything is new coming into your life. It's not old. It's not something you experienced before. It can't be new if it's in relation to the old. Not old, not used by anyone previously. When you buy a used car, somebody used it. You're not. You're not the first one. You get in the car, you smell the person. Right? It has a scent to it. But look what a new car smells like. There's nothing old about it. So when, when we fall short of the glory of Jesus Christ, he's trying to bring, bring something new into my life that I've never experienced before. And that's what keeps me alive in him. That's what keeps me yielded to him. 
God set it up that way because he's the only one that can give you something new and good. He says every, what, every gift comes from above, every perfect and acceptable gift, every good and perfect gift, acceptable gift comes from above, comes down from the Father of light, in whom there's what, no variation or shadow of turning. In other words, he's not going to change his mind about blessing you. This verse does not teach that you will stop having bad thoughts. And we just talk about that. You will have bad thoughts. Or that you will never make another mistake again. You're going to make mistakes. Because God wants you to learn from mistakes. Mistakes are to learn from, not be condemned by. It means you're a new creature. Things you used to do, you will not choose them to do them anymore. In other words, you don't think on them anymore. They might show up. The old thing might show up and overpower you because of the agreement in my soul that I haven't conquered yet. But don't let it discourage you because the victory is still in you. The victory never leaves you. The sin we used to do will die off. That means fornication is going to move away from us. Adultery is going to move away from us. Stealing is going to move away from us. I used to be the biggest thief. <laughs> I was a drug dealer, so I would steal the drugs from the pharmacy. I was a, I was a stock boy. And, you know, when they confiscate drugs from the police, bring them over there. They stack them up in boxes. And they don't have labels on them, but I knew what they were. I just stuffed my pocket. I was a thief. I I was I was doing everything. Y'all believe that? Drinking vodka straight. I'd drink vodka straight and chase it with Wrigley's chewing gum. So you have the real deal here of a true conversion. This is a true conversion. Drunkenness, lies, jealousy, hate. These move, begin to move and fall away out of your sight. The more you yield to Jesus, the more these fall further away from you. But when you think on the old thoughts, we bring back the old things that have moved away from us. So when you're thinking on the old thought, you're bringing back the old thing. And Satan's using it to set you up again. Yeah. So don't think on the old thoughts. It's a lie. There are just a few who will not have the power to control you. There are just a few that will not have the power to control you. These are just a few that will have the ones I have listed there, fornication. Uh, these are just a few because there's, there's other sins. They will not have the power to control you. You will feel repulsed to be involved in these things. If you stay in communion and fellowship with Jesus, you'll feel repulsed. And number five, you have a personal encounter with God. Now that's what our goal is. 
I bumped into Jesus, but I want a personal encounter with God. I want to see him face to face. Many people talk about God. They talk about Jesus. They say they believe in their own way, but never experience a personal encounter with the living God. That gives us hope. Because I know I've, I've encountered him several times. I can't count the times I've encountered God. And I've seen him. And man, that just keeps you going. To know that he's there that close to you. What does it mean to have a personal encounter with God? He's a friend, a father, a brother, a, command, a companion. He's Lord, he's healer, he's provider, he's comforter, he's teacher. You can talk to him directly. And he talks back. Sometimes he don't talk back. And I asked him, I said, why aren't you talking back? He said, because I already told you what to do. He already told me what to do. So I'm trying to manipulate him to do it my way. So, so I look back and see what he said, and then I begin to do that. You know, it's a lot of people who um, think they can't talk directly to God. They they think they have to go through mediator. Yeah. Uh, not Jesus, but but um, a preacher. Or, yeah. yeah, a priest. Um, they don't, they don't think they have that are good enough to have that kind of contact. Right. When you get born again, I mean, truly born again, you know that you're good enough to come boldly to the throne of grace. But if you don't stay in it, the enemy takes advantage of it and begins to help, begins to move on you to believe that you're not good enough to come to God directly. You have to go to someone else that's more holier than you. But it's all a lie. You can represent your anxieties, your fears, your worries to him, and he hears and answers. You feel his love. Love isn't love unless you can feel it. Amen? I want to feel love. I want to feel love. When God comes in this place on Saturday night and worship, don't you feel his love? You feel it. I want to feel it. It's not his love if you can't feel it. What should I do now that I am saved? And we're finishing up. Study the Bible. Second Timothy 3, 15 through 17 says, And that from a child, so where a child has known from the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture, remember I said just open the book up. It can be the Old Testament or New Testament. All Scripture has life on it. Inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in the righteousness. The man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That's what perfect means. The word teaches us how to understand God, understand God's will for your life. The word of God, the Bible, feeds the new life of infancy in you to teenagehood and adulthood. 
Now look what the word provides here. Milk, honey, bread, water, and meat. So you can't ever say you're going hungry. <laughs> because the word will satisfy that hunger. He provides milk, it says in 1 Peter 2.2. 2. He provides honey in Psalms 119.103. He provides bread in Luke 4.4. 4. He provides water in Ephesians 5.26. And he provides meat in Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, all for a divine growth, for a divine purpose. Look at uh, 14 at the bottom. It says, be strong, but strong meat. What does that mean? Strong revelation. I can start talking to the boys back there sometimes. Their heads feels like they're going to explode because there's some strong revelation coming forth that they're not yet able to receive it all. Amen? You're not able to receive it all. It's for those who are full age. Those who have their senses exercised. What exercises the senses? Because Satan works through the senses to get to you. The word of God, as you meditate on it, is exercising the senses to discern Who's Satan? Who's not? That's why it's important to meditate on the word. Because you can hear by the voice of a person who's speaking. You can hear it. Whether it's the enemy or God speaking. How should I study and learn from the Bible? Begin by reading the New Testament. Start in the four Gospels. The Holy Spirit will help you and teach you. Meditate on the word of God. And read it and apply it to your life. When you read a verse that impacts your life, speaks to you, then meditate on it. Medi confess the verse daily in the, until it becomes real in your life. I love Psalm 1, 1 through 3. When I ask God, how can I prosper in all things? This is what he gave me. How can I prosper in my soul, my, my mind, my body, uh, my finances, my relationships? And there's your instruction. Don't walk, you know, don't get counsel from ungodly people. Don't hang around with sinners. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful people who are gossiping about other people. But delight in the law, the word of God, and meditate on it at night and day. You shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever you do shall prosper. Everybody can be successful. By meditating on the word. Morning and night before you go to bed. Amen. Let's, let's stand together. And I'm going to say this prayer. I want everybody to close their eyes. And we're going to say it together. And I really think that. Gary if you can help me remember. That at every kingdom life service. On Saturday night we should say this prayer. For closing. And and you can be in charge of that because you're, you're an evangelist. You can come up here and close everybody in prayer and just close us out by this prayer. Wouldn't that be awesome? You don't know who is ready. You don't know the appointed time, but somebody has an appointment with God. When they come into this place, it's either for salvation or to get delivered or to get healed. But let's let's close our eyes a minute and repeat after me. 
You don't have to look at your paper. Just, just close your eyes and think about these words. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Your word says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I am calling on Jesus right now. I am a sinner and believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I was raised from the dead on the third day to give me life eternally with God. And here's the key. I break every covenant that I've made with the enemy, with my flesh and the world. So, Father, I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart and live your life through me. I repent of my sins and surrender my life totally to you as Savior and Lord. Amen. Giving some praise. Thank you, Lord. What an awesome way to close a service. Every service, we're going to start doing that on Saturday night. Just close every service that way. This is valuable information. I love, this is all original stuff that God gives me. So it's like we got our own archives for kingdom life that works. This stuff works. So what I would do is get you a little, little track card that you can write on with the bullet points that will bring back to your remembrance what this stuff says. So you're not having to take out the whole book and, you know, read it somewhat, scare somebody, right? Think you're a lunatic. <laughs> it's got to be an appointed time that you know they're ready for you to take out the book. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> Praise God.